Welcome back in, listeners, to another exciting episode of Whisper in the Wings. Uh, I am personally very excited about this episode. Um, we have with us um, playwright, director, performer, incredible human, Tyler Martin with us today. Tyler, welcome into our show today. Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. I am very stoked to be here. I am so excited to have you. It was incredible to have you reach out to us. Uh, to be on the show, and 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 once you reached out and going down the rabbit hole and looking into your show, I I am I'm floored. I'm so excited to have you and and to tell us about what you're working on. I I, I feel like there should be more more coverage about this because this is such an exciting show. So why don't you tell us a bit about what what you're doing? Yeah. So right now I have a one act that is about to open uh, July 1st at Soho Playhouse called What I First Desired. And it follows the southerly fabulous chance as he recounts the last uh, pretty thrilling 48 hours of his life. But as he is reliving and uh, recounting these somewhat traumatic memories, the lines of truth and his imagination begin to blur and it leaves him possibly the audience also um trying to figure out what is truth what did happen um and for the all the theater nerds like myself out there though the fun tidbit of this is um so i was really inspired by and and this is really conceived as a a modern queer gender bending prequel <laughs> to A Streetcar Named Desire by Tennessee Williams. So in looking at it through that lens, basically the 48 hours before Streetcar happens, uh, which is, yeah, I, I've, I've just loved, loved diving into it. And for our listeners out there, if you have never read or never seen Streetcar Named Desire, Go look up the plot. It's insane. It's brilliant. And then having all that chaos to take the lens and go, but before that happened, <laughs> like, let's really see. The, I mean, it's, it, it's already starts at like a 10. So we have to see where we get to that. I mean, that, that sounds so exciting because there's all these questions that kind of get answered at the end of the play of a streetcar and you're like well but hold on i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna tell you what really happened like I, that's what i love about it, that this is this is an interpretation of well here's what really happened you know? <laughs> yeah it's been yeah. really fun to dive into to these themes to the concepts but in a modern context uh, but i will say as well for those of you who have never read streetcar um, or don't even know really what it is that's okay. You don't have to know a street card to enjoy the show. It's, I mean, you can, and I think there's some fun tidbits for you and you're like, Oh, I get that. Oh, I get that. I understand why they did that there. Uh, but it's totally unnecessary to enjoy the show. Nice. So how did you come up with the idea for the show? Oh my God. Okay. So I am just a huge fan of Tennessee Williams work and Streetcar is one of my all-time favorite plays. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And I found myself during the pandemic uh, really just daydreaming of exploring the themes in Streetcar in a modern context. And so 
I, a few weeks later, ended up with a full-blown adaptation of Streetcar Named Desire. And it was such a fun process that I didn't really think I was, I, I don't know, it, it just kind of happened. And um, I felt like I just should do it. And so I did it and it was so fun. But then as I was working on the backstory and altering it and, and making it my own and uh, really taking it outside of that world and putting it in ours. Uh, I love the backstory that I was working on for the this lead character, Chance, and I became really fascinated by it. And so I was like, what if I wrote a prequel to my own adaptation, which is the most <laughs> ridiculous idea that I think I've ever had in my entire life. But that is, that's really how it began. And as a, an aside to this, so originally, originally this was a full length play, but it took place. <laughs> so I have a, a web series, uh, Don't Suck, uh, that did well a few years ago. And, and there's been things back and forth with that happening. But then with the pandemic, things were stalled, you know, as life happens. Uh, but in the pandemic, um, when I was working on this, I was also working on, um, I was thinking that I was about to to shoot some stuff for, in the world of that web series anyway, for a full length series. And, and so in this season though, that I was working on, there was a show within a show. And so this was that show within the show. I put it in this series, this television series. And, uh, so it was a full length in that way for that show. And I always thought that the series would come out first, then I would get to do the play. And I thought that would just be a really cool thing. We don't really see much of that. So I thought that would be really fun to do in the city. And since that didn't happen, um, I just had this kind of sitting here though. I saw submissions for uh, this festival, Lighthouse Series at Soho Playhouse. And they wanted one act, though. And so I was looking through some stuff that I had and I thought, oh, what if I made what I first desired into a one act? Mm. And I was like, how would I do that? Um, and again, being the theater geek that I am, uh, so Tennessee Williams himself coined the phrase memory play, which is just when a character recounts memories, uh, usually to the audience. And... I was like, what if I went even further into like Tennessee William land and made this a memory play? And so that's how I really made uh, this full length idea into a, a one act, a very tight <laughs> one act. And that's, that's kind of how I've ended up here, but it's been really wonderful because we did the festival. We, it was a competition and we won um, the first round. And so uh getting to kind of workshop this one act in real time um, in a very short period of time. We only had four rehearsals for the first run. So it was so fast. It was a week and a half. And then now for this, I've had a few more weeks and I've added. Um, so it's a 10 ish minutes longer now. And uh, it's just been really incredible though, to, to be able to evolve it and, and work with it in this kind of vein. Something just, so different that I never thought I would with this piece. So it's been all organic and fun and just exciting. That was a long answer, but there you go. 
No, no, I love, I mean, you, and you've even like led an answer into my next question, which, you know, you alluded to a lot of this being developed during the pandemic. And now that we're knock wood emerging from it, what was it like developing a show? I, I dare say post pandemic, but you know, coming out of a pandemic, like what was, what was that like kind of putting all that back together kind of thing, you know? The, I mean, the process with the festival specifically, it just being so fast was really exciting. I I love, I, I think it's just my like theater bones, but you know that feeling of when you are at the, you have a week to put on a show and you're just like, okay, we've got to get this done, you know? <laughs> and there's something just electrifying about that. And so being able to do that was actually really, I think, beneficial for me with the show. Uh, and two, what was so nice is because I had done work during the pandemic when it was, you know, slower for everyone, including myself, I, I had so much information about the backstory of this show and about these characters and about the relationships and the nuances. And so it was actually a really wonderful gift as a writer to be able to inform this one act based on all this work that I had already accomplished with it. And so revisiting it almost with fresh eyes a few months later, and then also seeing all this work just there for me to play with was, yeah, just a beautiful gift. And, and it made the, made the process of, recreating this into a one act so easy and especially the cast they came in and I, I love I love the first cast so much we have one new actor in this second run but the first cast was great and just diving in and and investing themselves in the world which is kind of hard to work on in such a short time because it is a melodrama really set in like that land of of drama and and almost a thriller aspect to it kind of like streetcar and uh and so to to do that in four rehearsals is remarkable and they did such an amazing job with it oh that's so that's so comforting to hear that that it, in the i mean obviously in the end it came together but you know it, everything is back working if that makes sense yes you know it's still a chaotic process and <laughs> and and i like that like one one project created another but i'm interested to know from this what's the message or the thought that you're hoping audiences will walk away with yeah i love this question um so there's actually a quote that i love of tennessee williams um I'm going to read it. Uh, he says, uh, my roots as a writer are directly related to having been a queer from birth and then abused from a very early age. I sought refuge in alternative realities because my own was so hateful and untenable. And I think in Streetcar, specifically in a lot of his works, but in Streetcar, there are so many queer themes. It's, it's oozing in queer themes. And 
even Stanley, uh, the lead male character in Streetcar, was constructed based on a boyfriend of Williams at the time. And so there's so many elements of, of himself in Blanche and, and the idea of escapism and trying to cope with trauma. And I think that's still so relatable now. You know, we're still going through so much in the world and we're, when we're faced with so much. And I think in, especially in the, you know, in the queer community, what I can speak to, uh, I think we see this a lot of, of feeling marginalized or discriminated against. But then, you know, we have the opportunity to create a reality where, uh, and a circle of friends or chosen family, what have you, where we are uplifted, where we are uh, not marginalized, uh, and where we have a safe space. And sometimes that can almost feel like an alternative reality than the reality that we're actually living in. When we look at legislation, when we look at the grand scope of the world, and it almost feels like this fantasy-like realism. And that is what Tennessee Williams did so beautifully is he wrote fantasy, essentially. I mean, Streetcar, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, um, Gloss Menagerie. We have all these beautiful fantasy realism plays. And, and that's something that I really tried to keep intact with this. But also, at the end of the day, I just love the story. And, you know, I think the best kind of theater is where you go see an epic story and then you leave wanting to converse about that story and the themes within that story. I think, you know, Into the Woods just opened. That's an incredible example. You have all these wonderful fairy tales, but then you leave talking about childhood and trauma and you know all these things that you're going through and that's that's what i hope is that yes people enjoy the story first and foremost but then they also leave with common a, a common piece that they can then talk to other people about these issues uh, and i think that's really what yeah what great theater is so i hope that people um, are able to relate to some of the aspects of the characters and relationships and are then able to talk about that, at least with themselves, if nothing else. I love that. In fact, I'm going to circle back to that point in a little bit, but, but I, I, I want to press on with, with another question. Yeah. Um, you've been, you mentioned you've been working on this while you were working on your series, Don't Suck. Um, so with, how long have you been working on, on this show? It was pretty early in the pandemic. Uh, so in 2020, probably I started during the summer, I would say of 2020, somewhere in there. About two years now? Yeah. Have you not, not on the whole time, but yeah. And have you, has it been performed anywhere else or is this the first time it's, this is the premiere of it? Yeah, this, uh, this last run was the premiere. I mean, what was so fun is it, this almost feels like a different show now with the changes and the set's different there is a new cast member so it feels the blocking's you know just alone different um the direction is different so it really feels like a different show even from when we did it four weeks ago uh but yes this is the first the first go of it amazing well the last question that i want to ask you in regards to this to the, uh, this half of the interview is, is who do you hope have access to the show 
I am so passionate about accessibility. Uh, I grew up below the poverty line and I really benefited from several people in the community uh, just being so wonderful to me and my family, especially me wanting to get into acting. A lot of my acting classes originally were free for me and, you know, scholarship based and, and, and stuff like that is so, so, so important and helpful. And um, I hope that um, with this show uh, and I'm trying to get some uh, tickets out there actually, and that's in the works right now. So definitely keep a lookout. And if, if anything does happen, I'll be able to post on my uh, Instagram, Tyler Isaac Martin. Um, so you can follow there just to keep posted on the tickets. But uh, I, I really, I mean, this is a very queer show. And so obviously I, I want um, queer people to be there uh, for sure. Uh, but also it really is just, um, so much about facing trauma and and so I think it's kind of a perfect show for marginalized groups and I hate the idea I hate the idea of theater in general just being for uh, wealthy straight white people which you know it is so often and so as much as I can combat that um, I, I'd like to and and I hope that uh, this show does invite people who wouldn't necessarily get to see other productions and also it's not super expensive on its own it is only $25 um I mean I get that that is still a chunk of change but um it is 25 so and when you do come you get to see my show but also two other original works which is really cool so it's a it's a kind of inspirational theater night getting to see new works that's amazing so I mentioned I was going to circle back yes uh uh, question I asked about, you know, what is the message and everything? And you had a very great answer uh, regarding um, uh, LGBTQ rights and, and things like that. But you, 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 you quoted Tennessee Williams, and I'm glad you, you read that quote because my, my friend listeners out there, in doing some homework about your show and about you to make sure I was a little bit prepared about this, there was a lovely article written about you and you gave a quote that I, if you don't mind, I'd love to share because I found it incredibly profound. So if you would just indulge me, um, this is a quote that Tyler gave in an interview for Broadway World. Marginalization and discrimination can inhibit people from living the lives they truly want to live. Just like Tennessee Williams himself years ago, the queer community still struggles with this today. When we are not given the opportunity to simply exist and live in the way we desire, it is up to us to create that safe, uplifting reality for ourselves. And because of this, we often create an exaggeration or fantasy-like version of reality to exist in. A reality where we can live our one life to the fullest, triumphantly, unashamedly, and beautifully bold, even in the face of discrimination. At times, this version of reality may seem distant from the truth, but really, what is the truth, if not what we believe and experience? This play examines that desire, that fantasy, that expression, and the obstacles placed in our way. I read that in researching your play, and like I was sold. That, that, that quote, like that, that was enough for me to be like, I gotta go get a ticket. That... Aww. 
there's so much passion in your words about your work it, and it's not self-fulfilling. It's actually like you wrote something for someone or for a community or for a purpose. This was not for you about you. It was not uh, an ego kind of thing. This, this sound, you sound like you wrote it for a higher purpose for, for almost like a greater good. And I absolutely adore that. And so when you, with your answer, kind of like it's to shine a light or to not necessarily shine a light, but you know, maybe elevate um, a situation or God, I hate saying like lifestyle. Cause I just, I don't know. That's I'm so over that. Like it's just, yeah. it's the way people live. Like who gives a crap, but, you know, it's just to maybe normalize. Cause it should be normal now. I just love that. And I love that. You're just like, we have to stop and, and correct me if I'm wrong. We just have to stop looking at it. Like it's something to be gawked at and more look at it like, no, that's, that's the truth. That's normal. That's reality. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I mean, what I specifically like about this work is it's not from a lot of times we see queer work. Um, I mean, no hate to them, but like a love Simon or th things like that. And it's, mm -hmm. it's so obviously from a straight perspective of queer yes, life. Yes. Um, and so this is not, so this is not necessarily saying like it should be normal because like, we already know it is normal, I would say, but this is more of just like the, the, I guess the going through the struggle of it, uh, of still being faced with discrimination though. So almost, so yes, what you're saying, but, um, almost from like a, a slightly different road, um, and a, a different view of that. And I, I think it's so important because we don't really have, we, we're still, it's so interesting. We are getting more and more queer content, but we, we're still lacking in authentic queer content so often. Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially examining these issues that people live with daily. You know, I think it's, I think especially during pride, we see a lot of people, you know, especially in New York, you walk around and everyone's in short shorts and these colorful tank tops and like, but they don't dress like that normally. And it's, it's this like one fantasy weekend, essentially, or a month, depending on how, how many parties you're going to. And, and there's something really beautiful about that, but there's also something so immensely tragic and sad about that, that only during this time they feel able or safe to do that. Uh, and that just shouldn't be the case. That that reality should be the reality of of where we are, where we live in humanity. Um, but it's not, and therefore, sometimes it does feel almost like a a weird type of fantasy. Yes, and I love that you you pointed out that that there's so many works that aren't that are about something, but not written from that perspective. You know, there, there are queer stories not told by queer authors. There are uh, African-American stories not told by African-American stories or what have you. And you really can tell that where you're like, ah, no, <laughs> that, that this doesn't feel authentic, you know? And I think also one of the things, and, and, and we've talked about it in our show, is there are sometimes a story that's told about a sensitive issue. You can tell that it's about a sensitive issue, but when you leave and you may are made feel made to feel comfortable, they, it's not told from the by someone who's in there. Oh, I love that idea. You yeah, should, you if you aren't affected by it directly, you you know, like it's okay to leave the theater uncomfortable. 
it's okay to feel like, oh, uh, you know, I, I, had, I, I saw a show called Help. Um, and it was like this one woman, basically, this one black woman in a world of white people and talking about how racism just exists. And even though that some people don't believe, like they don't think they're racist, but she's pointing out how like, no, racism exists. And I left and I was like, oh my God, I got to do better. I feel horrible. And I was talking to my friend. She's like, I know you're not a racist, but she's like, but now you see. And I was like, I feel horrible. And she's like, yeah, but that's the point of the show. Yeah. Like now you're more aware and you can do better. And I was like, oh, okay. Why can't theater do, but the author was African-American. So that, okay, we're doing it right, you know? Yeah, and I think going back to like the, um, I you know, I love, that sounds more like a theme play, which I really love. And I, I think those are so beneficial, but also in, in this setting as well, I think like it, using Into the Woods again, just because it's such a good example, um, of story plays to do the same thing. And I think that's actually so fun when you are immense in a story then you leave and you're like oh I was like duped into learning things you know yes yes and so hopefully that's kind of the vibe with this show I I, it's definitely not in your face with all these lessons or whatever but hopefully again it just you leave with conversation and and yeah just you're like oh I hadn't thought about it in that way or yeah. I hadn't I hadn't that's interesting wording um and I think living in this fantasy world that the play does live in fantasy realism uh that allows for so many opportunities to explore existential questions yes but in real life which we don't get to do all the time so uh that's actually been my favorite part is, is just exploring that. And we talked about before we started the interview, but I had mentioned uh, that I'm very spiritual in, in various aspects and theater is one of those. I really, it's so cheesy to say, but I really do believe like acting and, and theater, like that is almost my spiritual expression. I feel uh, that is that it, when I when I am doing those things, I feel most in tune with this world and myself. And uh, and there's something really special about then sharing that and 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 making things for people. And uh, yeah, I I I just love it. I I love I love theater. I'm like <laughs> well, theater is like a church. It's one thing I actually yeah. had a conversation about it because we've heard more people be vocally reactive to shows and look it's a live audience and to hear people reacting and living in the moment i'm like yes similar to church amen yes you react to what you hear you just feel there's a spirit about it and i'm like yeah well that you should feel that way i saw a show last night and i was in the front row and something was said and i just couldn't set myself and i just went "Mm." (laughs) and i saw the actor like look right at me and i was like well sorry you're being a jerk you know like I didn't mean to, but I'm invested in this story. And I'm, I'm realizing that I wasn't alone, though, because these girls across the way from me were also, like, leaning forward, and they had this, like, we're going to jump this dude. And I was like, yes, that's, that's what theater is, though. Like, we're all having this communal experience together. It's community. It is. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I, uh, I love it. Color Purple will always be the revival, oh. the recent revival. It will probably always be like one of the most spiritual experiences that I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh yeah. my God, I went to church so hard in that show. <laughs> it, 
<laughs> oh my god i lost myself came back went away again i was just yeah wild Well, that leads me to the second half of the show, or the interview, I should say. <laughs> uh, of course, on our show, Sage Whisper, we not only uh, delve into shows and break them down, but we also talk about our experiences in the theater. I kind of want to ask you now about some of your experiences in the theater. And um, I want to kick things off by asking you, um, what shows in the past have inspired you or that, um, you know, or do you love, you know? And then also open up to composers or playwrights. Uh, you've already mentioned Tennessee Williams. <laughs> so are there any others? Surprise, surprise. He is on my list. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, specifically uh, Red by John Logan. It's That's a great show. Potentially my favorite uh, play. I think it's a, you know, some plays are not meant to be read. They're only meant to be seen. But Red... <laughs> funny enough, R-E-D, uh, is meant to be read as well, I think. It's a, it's a beautiful read, and it, yeah, I mean, talk about existential questions being posed. I mean, it's, it's brilliant, brilliant. I also love uh, The Christians by Lucas uh, Nath. Nath. Um, I love him. Terrific, terrific. That's also a brilliant read. Um, and then I can get very basic and say like August, Osage County and whatnot. But my, for musicals, I will list my musical person though. Um, probably JRB, Jason Robert Brown. I think he just does a really beautiful job at capturing emotion and inner thought in his music that I don't think a ton of people do. And so I, I, I yeah, I think as a writer, he's very brilliant. Hmm. He's also a very funny guy. On a side note. I've only, I've, I did meet him once and it was very fast, but he hugged me and I was like, okay, I'm good. Thanks. He's a uh, master class at the university I was at. And um, yeah, he was a very funny laid back guy. Like everyone's like, oh, it's Jason Robert Brown. And me being naive was like, okay, it's, it's Jason Robert Brown. Like, woo. <laughs> okay. So kind of, yeah, I know. I was like, all right, naive musical theater major. And he was just... He, he knew he was good, but like he had that like dry wit, but he was yeah. very good and smart and very, he's a good educator because he could also teach well. So mad props uh, to JRB. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So have you seen any theater lately that you maybe recommend to our listeners? I mean, I'd say the most recent theater that I've seen is the other plays within this festival and there are like i mentioned earlier even there are going to be two other uh plays within my night and then there is a second night with three other plays uh so it's a chance to see six new works actually Ooh. and there ha really i didn't expect to be so moved i think it really was because this is the first play i've ever put out actually i've written a couple of plays but i haven't done anything with them uh I had been focused more on TV film area for the last few years. And so 
in writing anyway and doing this and then also I had been in a show that stopped when the pandemic happened and it didn't open we were in tech week and I hadn't been on stage since then Hmm. as an actor so just this whole experience of being in theater again for myself, but then also seeing theater again. And in such a, there were so, uh, just so many creative ideas in this festival and people really thinking outside the box and, and pushing boundaries and, and playing with, with rhythm and structure. And it was just so inspiring to watch. I mean, I, I just can't say how inspiring it was to watch. And so I'm, absolutely thrilled to see the evolution of the other pieces I mean I can only imagine like looking at my piece alone it it has evolved so much in in these four weeks and so I am thrilled to see what everyone else brings and I definitely recommend um I mean obviously try to come see my night yes 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 but but then (laughs) if you want to see more theater then definitely hit up the other night as well I love it. Yes. So let's ask a very important question then, which is what is your favorite part about working in the theater? Oh, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I, I believe my answer is this is such a complicated question. <laughs> I, be- <laughs> I believe my sincere answer is connection though. Uh, when I think back to, all my my best memories in the theater, whether it be backstage, on stage, or with the audience, uh, it really always comes to connection. And I think that's what makes theater so different and special as a medium versus any other art form that you get live connection. And especially coming from the pandemic. I mean, I think that's also a reason why I was hit so hard with this festival, just really being immersed in the world again. There's just nothing like it. There's absolutely nothing like it. And so being able to talk with people and kind of like I was saying earlier, just have common ground to discuss topics or even just a story with someone that I would never normally talk to otherwise. That just, that shows the power of theater that I, I mean, I have had so many wonderful conversations with people that I probably would have never, ever, ever met or ever, ever talked to otherwise. And so um, I'm, I'm so grateful for theater for connections. And I definitely think that just the being able to share energy with other people. Yes. Uh, I ironically we're doing this interview via zoom. So via screen, but that's one thing that I've, I've said to people, I said, it's, there's something that's so, so much more powerful and so much more strong, more strong, (laughs) stronger. (laughs) I went to college, I promise. Um, You know, about, about that in-person connection that in-person experience you know like it's great to watch netflix on tv or to watch a movie on the screen and that's great and 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 that acting and that performance and everybody who creates that kudos like that's amazing but there's something there's an entirely different level of experience when you are in that room you know and and you have that real connection you're in that moment it's real you could reach out and touch and someone is actually talking to you it feels like 
you know, and then like you said, afterwards you could go up and talk to them and go, wow, X, Y, Z, you know, yeah. ask questions or, or, or have a conversation or tell them what an amazing experience. You know what I mean? Like you, oh, yeah. you can do that. I, I can't tell someone, you know, that I just watch. I can't, we're watching Law and Order SVU right now. I can't go up to Mariska Hargitay right now and be like, oh my gosh, I had to watch three episodes in a row because we just couldn't, su- no, she's, you know, she, she's good. Well, it's Mariska Hargitay. She might be like, thank you. But you know, it's, yeah, it's not the same. So not quite, not quite the same. No. <laughs> she's a lovely person I've heard, but. Yeah, the connections you make in theater are unlike any other art form, and I think that's why it's so important. So I love that that, that connection is your that that's the first time someone said that, and I've been waiting. Really? For that. Yeah, a lot of people love you know the the feeling, the reaction, all that, but I was I've been waiting for something big. The connections you form, and I'm like, yes, especially because <laughs> I've been seeing so much off and off off Broadway theater. Um, and they're smaller theaters, you know, and, and when you see really good work, it it is like, it's so intimate and you really like, you really can't escape. If it, if it is a challenging or a hard subject, you can't like, you are a part of that show. Yeah. When they're dealing with a difficult subject, you are that much more uncomfortable because you're like, I am in this room with them. This is now happening to me as well. Oh my gosh. You know, (laughs) So, well, I mean, any kind of expression of emotion, I would say even laughter, you know, there are, there are days where I feel awkward laughing in front of people, you know, where you just have like these weird walls up. And so like to be in a room and laugh and not worry about like, is my laugh stupid right now? You know, like, or to be able to cry sitting next to a stranger, that's kind of powerful, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, that, 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 um, vulnerability that intimacy that connection yeah i just oh i love it yeah and i think it also makes it really tunes us in as audience members to our humanity it makes us more human and realize it's okay to feel it's okay to emote make the world better by being human and one thousand percent so enough about my soapbox One of my final questions, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? Okay, so this one, I don't know. I have... I, you I, can have several. It's okay. You don't have to land on just one, because I'm in the boat with you, and I'll be like, oh, God. Um, I know. I mean, like, some of my first ones, like, I was in um, uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and I, uh, during... Uh, one of the dance breaks, I fell off the stage and into the audience. That was that was a terrifying one. Um, really funny after the fact. In the moment, not funny. Um, <laughs> the first time I wore a dance belt is just a wonderful, wonderful memory of mine that I will absolutely never forget. I was like, I do what? <laughs> I, I tuck it where? <laughs> I don't understand. Um, that was very funny. Uh, 
and honestly, I, I mean, I think most of my truly like special theater memories are connections. So um, there's a really wonderful play uh, over the tavern that I was in when I was 13. And that was like really one of the first times I understood the the power of, I think, that connection and where I was able to kind of articulate the spiritual feeling I felt uh, for theater. And the character that I played, just a lot of people related me, not to get into too much about the show, but uh, uh, really related me to their own family members. And so as like this 13-year-old kid, I had like, after every show, these like groups of adults waiting to talk to me and they would share stories with me about who I reminded them of and like adults crying or uh, asking to take my picture or what have you. And that was a very bizarre sensation, um, but so cool. And and that was like I, one of the first times I really experienced that in such an intense way. And so that, that memory will always um, stay with me quite a bit. Uh, yeah, just being able to talk to people in that way was really, really cool. And I'll, I think I'll leave it at that. The, <laughs> oh my God, the dance belt though, man. Uh, having, having, or being a wardrobe person, yes, it's, you, you can find the people who, who have done this for a while and the people who they're new to it. It's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And <gasps> this in the laundry bag and then, and the- <laughs> yep. Or they'll be like, what do I do with this? And I'm like, well, you have to handle it because bless you, I'm not going to. Like, love no. you, I'll do your quick change, but some things I'm just not going to touch. I don't want that. Um, oh my God, though, I will say this one because this was, this was wild. I, I do have one more. The, um, I was in a two-person show um, in college and a, a very long, intense show. And in the middle of it, uh, me and a wonderful actress, she passed out. Uh, and that was a very surreal experience. I, cause she had kind of fumbled around on her lines. She changed her blocking and I was like, what's going on? And she, she passed out and then, um, I like ran over to her. I like stopped the show. I like yelled for people to come. It was really, really intense. So not like a funny interest, like memory at all or not really heartwarming, but it is a memory that sticks out to me. Um, And though, uh, kind of just like a cool, it was again, so bad and not great things happened, but it it is again, kind of just like the interesting aspect of being in a live space and, and the things that can happen and, uh, just the uniqueness of all those people in that room. Like we had this really strange experience that we went through together. Um, it wasn't good and she's all right, but uh, it was so, but it, my God. Yeah. That was, that's a wild story. <laughs> that's insane. I've never, I've never heard that before. I've many other things, but never that. Oh yeah. I was traumatized for a little bit, but yeah. Well, are there any other productions uh, that you have coming down the road that we we might be able to plug for you? Any other shows or plays or anything? Um, I mean, definitely, I would say keep a lookout. Uh, definitely follow me and go to my website, tylerisaacmartin.com and uh, follow the evolution of what I first desired. I, I do plan to, in this 
reworking of it to continue what I've done and, and, and transform that full length that I originally had. It looks very different now, um, which is honestly so exciting, but I do still plan to make this into a full length. So uh, it will eventually be, and there will be more performance of that, hopefully in the near off field chair. Uh, also, I have a, another play that is in the works. I can't say too much about it right now, but uh, called Bonded. It's a, it's a three character, two act drama that I am immensely pa passionate about. And I'm, I'm just so eager to get it out into the world. Um, but then also, yeah, if you want to like check out my other work, definitely um, my, I have a podcast for stalled right now, but it's called Have a Blessed Gay. And uh, that's like a spiritual comedy podcast, a very different vibe, uh, but it's, it's still fun and just uh, get to know uh, me and my work a little bit more. Yeah. Wonderful. And then your show is being performed at the Soho Playhouse July 1st, 6th, 8th, and 9th, right? Correct. July 1st, 6th, 8th, 9th. Uh, you can go to SohoPlayhouse.com to get tickets. Um, and again, you'll get to see uh, my show is uh, first in the night, and then you'll get to see two others after. Amazing. Well, Tyler, this has been absolutely just seriously so much fun i i'm so glad that we were able to connect and i'm so glad that i was able to discover your show and i can't wait to hopefully see it fingers crossed Woo! i am making plans it's happening um listeners i highly highly encourage you to go see this show to go support this artist um again the show is called uh, what I First Desired. It's playing at the Soho Playhouse July 1st, 6th, 8th, and 9th. You can get more information and tickets at SohoPlayhouse.com. You can also follow Tyler Martin um, for more information about the show and everything that he's doing at TylerIsaacMartin.com. And that's Isaac with two A's. We'll be posting that uh, all over on this episode and our social medias. Um, He's got so many irons in the fire and I know I'm following, I'm going to follow and just, I'm excited for everything you do. And I can't wait to see what you do next. This is, this has been a joy. So Tyler, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. You're so wonderful. I love this show and everything that you're doing. Thank oh, you for thank all your incredible work. Thank you. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar, Frederick Larden featuring Laura Palme, Benji Menji, and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. 
There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. <laughs> <laughs>